Author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. This is Donald Jeffries coming to you every Friday. This time, right outside the Swamp and Fest in Washington, D.C., as the promo says. My guests, we're going to have two guests today. The first hour, uh, John Odwin is a very interesting guy. He's a, an engineer. He's um, written primarily on uh, this COVID narrative, and he approaches it from a, a much more logical probably aspect than I do because he's an engineer and he comes at it from that angle. So he's dealing in facts and things that shouldn't be refuted, but of course still will be by some of the people. So John Bowden, I'm very happy to have you on. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. So uh, let's, let's get started. You know, first of all, uh, let's, you know, get started. How did you, when, COVID hit. I mean, I was skeptical right from the very beginning. I had Jan Ra- John Rappaport on my show and Andrew Kaufman came on my show before he became a rock star, people like that. Uh, did you doubt it at first or did you did you wait a bit and really just your research showed you? Well, yeah, I, I'm a stickler for facts and honesty. And I'll tell you what was going through my head right from the beginning. I was a little scared. I really was. Um it about five days, maybe. <laughs> so uh, I was at a bar, um, St. Patrick's Day. So that would be March 17th, 2020. And I remember it being packed with people, but it, it had already been on the news that there's this terrible thing. And, you know, we got some stuff coming from the government. And um, I got nervous and I left the bar. I, I left. I left the bar. That's unlike me. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I I do like a couple of beers now and then, but I don't drink a lot. No, seriously, I I really did leave the bar. So I was obviously nervous, and then I looked into the data because my son said that he didn't believe it. I wanted to prove him. Uh, well, say, hey, Charlie, you got to take it seriously. When in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, something's really not kosher here. So I looked at the data and. Uh, I downloaded some CDC data, and um, I found out that there's there was a problem with pneumonia, influenza, respiratory not adding up. I did a parity check uh, to make sure that everything adds up, and it wasn't adding up. So I wrote to the guy that keeps that record, and I wrote, um, you have a problem with your 2014 through 2018 data file. He didn't write back. Instead, he took the file down. The file disappeared for 36 hours, and when it came back, they changed it. They changed historical data to match what was going on in 2020. So right then I knew, oh, I can't trust the government at all for any of this stuff. If they can mess with historical data, you'd think that somebody would have archived this. And uh, I didn't archive it. I, I, I was working. I said I downloaded. I downloaded subsequent ones. I was working with that data online, kind of writing down numbers. So I couldn't prove anything. But um, I just got into it. Just started looking through data. And um, I look at it differently than, say, an epidemiologist because I'm an engineer. We don't mm-hmm. – a, a signal to me means something different to them, apparently. So what are – because most of the people I've interviewed about this are either – either, you know, just 
schlubs out there like me that are just doubting everything and are just, you know, don't trust anything we're being told. So it's a good reason to, you know, we start out skeptical and then uh, obviously doctors that are, uh, you know, that are, that are going against the grain, but what, so what does, how do you approach as an engineer? What do you look for? What, what were you looking for? What are you still looking for? What, what, what stands out to you when you're investigating this? So I didn't, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I mean, anomalies are what anyone would look for. So, I um I went to law school for a year. I'll say that, and that, that took up a year of my time during the COVID. That was uh, fall 2020 through spring of 2021, and then I got thrown out of law school for not getting the vaccine. I have a couple of lawsuits with regard to that: uh, one against the school for a contract violation, and one against the state for fraud on public records. And that is because I heard on the radio a little girl had died. Uh, she was seven years old, and they said she died from COVID. So all the parents are going to run out and rush and get their kids vaccinated for COVID. Now, everything I knew, having done other types of studies, I knew that uh, there's no way this little healthy girl died from COVID. So um, I sought certain records. Um, I had eight public records disclosures. That's a Massachusetts State FOIA. And we spread them around among eight different people. And the one that hit was the biggest one. I got all the death certificates in Massachusetts from 2015 through, uh, at that time, it was March of, of 2022. And that's about 420 to 460,000 death certificates. So about 60,000 people die a year. <clears throat> sure enough, I found her death certificate. And it indeed did say on uh, line A, which is the immediate cause of part one um, of the death certificate, where COVID should not ever be, there it was. They said she died from COVID and basically nothing else in part one. Well, that's kind of curious. How do you die from COVID and nothing else? In part two, under conditions contributing, there was fungal and bacterial pleurisy and asthma. Okay, that sounds like it might be related. But then I started looking for, for VAERS reports, and I found uh, three or four seven-year-old girls in Massachusetts that died around that time, but only one died within days. And it was three days after the, um, excuse me, three days before the, the death date on the death certificate. So the VAERS report said the seven-year-old was injected on the 13th. The report was placed on the 15th. And then I have a death certificate of little girl, seven years old, Cassidy, who died on the 18th, five days later. And then I said, okay, I really got to dig in. And that's when I started looking for signals as you know, kind of like an engineer would do. What's the carrier wave? Well, more people die in the winter than in the summer in a northern seasonal climate. That's standard, right? If you look at the number of deaths that happen per day, you graph it, you put it on a graph, it, it looks, it's a perfect sine wave. And if you graph the temperature in New England, Boston area, you'll find the same perfect sine wave. Okay, well, that, that's what happens. Now, if you introduce a seasonal respiratory pathogen that goes away in the summer, what will happen to that wave is that the amplitude will go higher. So it'll still go to zero in the summer, but the amplitude of, of cold and flu season will go higher. Now, when I looked at what happened in 2020, that's what happened. There was a respiratory virus. So let me back up. I did three things. I looked at what is killing somebody, who is it killing, and when is it killing them? And right now I'm talking about the when. I'll get into the what and who in a minute. <clears throat> so 
um, when you when you look at the graph from 2020, you see the amplitude did rise and it went to zero in, in Massachusetts all summer long, all the way to November when the second wave hit, which was very small. Um, COVID only lasted nine weeks in Massachusetts, if you want to call it COVID. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not going to get into what was around. I Personally, I believe that there was a terrible virus. Uh, it was COVID or SARS-CoV-2, and it lasted a short period of time. Um, I won't get into conspiracy theories if you don't want, but um, it was real. <laughs> conspiracy theories are very, very welcome here, but I, 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 we'll talk a lot about that. But uh, you know, all right, so it was real. Conspiracy thinking, conspiracy yeah. analysis, I prefer. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, factually, something killed eight thousand extra people in nine weeks, right? With an average age of eighty-one point three in Massachusetts, and that that. I mean, to give you an idea, the average age was uh, for the prior five years was 75.3 to 75.8. To go to 81.3 is, is an enormous jump. Most of these people were 90 or over. Now, they were, if you look at the 85 pluses, there were over 5,000 of them. And what that did was that confounded the data for the next two years. So when, when all the analysts and researchers around the country look at data, they generally look at 65 plus. The problem with looking at 65 plus is the, the glut of excess deaths that happened in only nine weeks in Massachusetts were 85 plus. And then in 2021, after they vaccinated everybody, the, the, the deaths occurred in the 65 to 79s. More people died in 21, not 20, not 20, 21. And they died all year long. And this is where the seasonality comes in. Remember I told you it started, you had a big wave, it was nine weeks, it went to zero. Then comes the second little wave, but then there's an added signal. And the added signal is not in the winter, it's all year long, progressively increasing, it's linear. That is not a seasonal respiratory virus, it's something else. It's as if they stuck a needle in somebody's arm, everybody's arms, and injected them with something that killed them all year long. I can't imagine that something like that might happen. But that's what happened. So um, the the seasonal the seasonality profile of deaths and looking at just just all cause, it, it's clear that something is very different from a seasonal respiratory virus in 21, whereas 20 did appear to be a seasonal respiratory virus. And then well, if you want, well, go ahead. How, how, no, how, how did they explain? And you know, again, I'm not I'm no scientist, decidedly not. But uh, COVID-19 was named COVID-19 because it was a 2019 version of the yearly coronavirus. So how, and no one ever explains, okay, what happened? How did this break, whatever it is or whatever it was, uh, why didn't it act like every other virus in human history? Why didn't it burn out in the summer? Why does it keep coming back? Or if it does, if it's just another variant of that, why do they keep calling it COVID-19? What happened to COVID-20? What happened to COVID-21? What happened to COVID-22? Is this thing just obliterated every other year? And it and it keeps coming and going through the summer. Uh, heat doesn't matter. I mean, how this is rewriting viral history. Yeah, well, when you wipe out people's immune systems with with the this this shot that they give yeah. people, that's what happens. And, and and like you said, all summer long, there's been nothing like that. This is not. This is man made. These deaths, these excess deaths that have been occurring that have been attributed to COVID-19. And even if it was COVID-19 that killed them, it wouldn't have killed them otherwise. They already had it the year before and didn't kill them. 
well, now that you destroy their uh, neutrophils and leukocytes um, and, and their immune system dysregulations occurring because of the, the, the shot, uh, that's part of what's going on. I mean, I, you know what? Let's have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I, I've been talking to some pretty heavy, intelligent people over the last year. Um, I was in a group with uh, Steve Kirsch put together this steering committee group and yeah. mm -hmm. somehow I get on it. I don't know how. Um, and and uh, I provided value by getting the death certificates and, um, you know, finding out what really happened, because a lot of people don't know what really happened. We can get we've got plenty of time. Um, but let me say I learned a lot from this group and then other scientists and pulled some people in and we talk on the side now. The, the velocity of mutation of RNA is much faster than DNA. It's less stable. <clears throat> I can't imagine this lab leak theory BS that's going on. It, people just believe what they're told. First, they believe that it wasn't. Now they believe that it was because, oh, three years later, now it's a lab leak. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, and we got to blame the Chinese. Oh, yeah. the, oh, you're telling me the Chinese didn't know that we put a lab in China. Right. with american technology well, well, they yeah, didn't know that well, they, and I, I think this is the republican i think i think it's a uh it's it's going down it's a distraction uh it's it's like uh the who the mafia killed jfk kind of thing where it's, it's it's a fallback i think but it's you know it's nobody asked the question if if whatever this thing was if this is a deadly plague that everybody had to be feared of then you wouldn't have had all the political uh, trappings that went along with it First thing they would have done was seal the southern border. It was never closed. In no, fact, they were letting people in. They were while they were mandating everybody get vaccinated. They weren't. They weren't even checking the vaccination status of people coming from parts of the world they knew nothing about. That's not what you. You can't politicize something like that because if the people in charge really think this is a dangerous virus, then and why were they caught constantly in public without their masks over and over again? They weren't, they weren't uh, obeying these mandates. And that's what my argument is that is that look, they didn't think anything was going on, but let's, let's, cause we, I think there are two parts of this. The first part is how they were attributing so many deaths to COVID that were obviously from other causes. And, you know, I'll have that all that in my book where they had you know, people that were in, accidents and falling off roofs and things like that. And they just put COVID on the death certificate. But then part two is what's more important to what's that when that's when the death rate really went through the roof. We know in 2021, when the insurance industry said the death rate's gone up 40%, which is a watershed mark, they say it goes up 5%. This is unprecedented. Uh, I'm from 18 to 64, all causes, uh, even the COVID numbers that I'm very dubious about, uh, can't explain that. So what, obviously the only thing introduced into this is the vaccine. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? And when you're analyzing the data now, you must be seeing that how the death rate, and it's all over the world, the death rate has gone up. Uh, I think that we, I, I uh, read that uh, several states in the United States for the first time in history recorded more deaths than births last year. So something obviously is going on. Yeah, well, Massachusetts is special. And I pretty much talk about Massachusetts only a little bit of Vermont, uh, because I have the death records from Massachusetts. Now, I could figure out what happened in other places if I could get their death certificate databases, but nobody else is getting them. Uh, it's, it seems to be kind of locked down in terms of information. But um, I'll tell you what happened. <clears throat> um, on a year boundary, 
so I, I looked up all the codes. I just started going through what are people dying from? And um, I, I did a uh, standard deviations above mean for various age groups and in uh, semi-monthly periods. So 24 periods per year. And I, I created a heat map. And, and two that seemed out of place were um, first half of September and first half of October for the 65 to 74 age group. So I went into the database and just started reading individual deaths. Maybe the 68, that was the 68,000 deaths in 2020, but there were only 64,000 in 2021, year of the vaccine, <clears throat> which is still around 3,800 excess. But I started reading the individual records. I was like, okay, uh, cardiac arrest, cardiac arrhythmia, pulmonary embolism, pulmonary embolism, pulmonary embolism, pulmonary embolism, like, oh, wait a minute, what, what, what's going on here? So then I found out there are these things called ICD-10 codes, which are international codes for various causes of death, um, many, many codes. So I, I found the one uh, that they used for those uh, pulmonary emboli deaths, I I uh, pulmonary embolism without mention of acute core pulmonary, and I found a uh, thousand, about that. So generally every year is like 700, 780, no, excuse me, 710, 690, you know, 710, and then 800 and something in the year of COVID, then 1,024 in the year of the vaccine. It jumped from what was normally seven to 800 to a, over 1,000. Like all of a sudden in one year, there's, there's an extra 300 deaths in one state. Like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, let me look at other clotting and bleeding types of things. And I just started looking at the uh, the other clotting and bleeding types. And then I said, wait a minute, what, I got to be fair here. I got to look at them all. So I started looking at all causes of death. And then I, I looked at the how they changed. You know, change, everything happens at the margins. You strip away what's normal over the last five years. And once you strip away what's normal, you get what's not normal. What's an anomaly? What is the signal? Now, here's what happened in a nutshell. 2020 was a year of excess deaths that were respiratory in nature. Pneumonia, COPD, uh, ARDS, um, you know, things like that. So J codes, basically. The codes begin with J. Uh, and, and, and COVID, so all-cause deaths, were they peaked in 20. And then... Um, COVID deaths peaked in 20, pneumonia peaked in 20, and other respiratory deaths peaked in 20, and it went down substantially. The marginal difference was cut in half going into 21. Now you look at pulmonary embolism, like I said, it wasn't cut in half going from 20 to 21. It was even more. So in 21, I started looking at, okay, what about post-hemorrhagic anemia through the roof, thrombocytopenia through the roof? cardiac arrest, cardiac arrhythmia, all of, all the heart and blood-related codes, not all, but most of the big number important ones, were through the roof. And they happened more in younger people too, also, right? Not just older people. There was a deficit in older people because we just wiped out 5,000 of them in nine weeks in 2020. So there were fewer, few of them able uh, around to die. So, so the, the, here, here's the summary. 2020 was respiratory, 21 was blood and circulatory. How does a disease say, oh, you know what? 
hey, dudes, come on over here. We're going to kill by a completely different method on a year boundary. It's like diseases don't talk to each other and make plans like that. They just, you know, this disease changed what it did to kill people on a year boundary. No, it didn't. It was the vaccine that did it. And, and, and because the CDC gives out bundles of codes, they give you one, they, they give you a bundle of a couple things. Like I'll use, uh, you're going to like this one. I'll, I'll use renal failure. That's my favorite example. Um, and this has more to do with remdesivir, which, uh, by the way, is, is almost as big a killer as the vaccine. Um, so CDC gives you a bundle of renal failure. And it says, oh, well, it went up 20% in 21. 20%, oh, wow, that's quite a bit. Because I have the database, which I call record-level source data, I have it from the source before the CDC even gets it. I can break it up. I, I can tell you the medical examiner's license number, the father's first name. I can sort by the father's first name. I can do anything. All the researchers in the world can't do this. They, they rely on the CDC bundles. So CDC gives you renal failure. It went up 20%. I separated acute versus chronic. People either had... Um, a problem with their kidneys before, or they had something sudden. Looking at only the sudden kidney failure, which is acute renal failure, N17.9, it's up 100%. Yeah. 100%, not 20%. Now, to, to give you an idea of the numbers, because the numbers matter, because those are people. This is all about people. This isn't just data. That's 1,840 excess deaths in Massachusetts alone from a single cause of death. And that's not how many people died from it. That's the excess. That's more than should have died from it in the last two years. Remdesivir causes your kidneys to shut down. They murdered 1,840 people so that they could get an extra 20% on the entire hospital bill under the EUA, Emergency Use Authorization for Well, I, I, I don't, I, you may have, you probably don't know this, but I, I've talked a lot about it. My brother uh, was one of the people they murdered in the hospital January 20, January last year. I'm sorry. Uh, he, I didn't he, know. He, well, yeah, no, and, and you were exactly right. And he's that's why I'm so really fired up about this. He uh, had he was perfectly healthy, but he was a hypochondriac. He went into the, he called an ambulance. I couldn't stop him from doing it. You know, he <clears> called <throat> at six in the morning, and uh, he was in the hospital when he called me already. And I knew what that meant because he he said he fell and he, we had no injuries from the fall at all. But uh, they gave as soon as they found out he was unvaccinated, they they fast tracked him. And uh, they uh, said he had COVID pneumonia. And uh, I told them no ventilator, no remdesivir. And they went behind my back and did an AO. They quarantined him because I couldn't see him. Dead in two weeks. Went from perfectly healthy to dead in two weeks. And uh, it's still, you know, it, that's what keeps me fighting for this because I have a personal stake in it. But you're right. They don't know how many people have died from this COVID protocol. But I, you know, I had a lot of the people on my show, including a woman whose husband was in the same hospital as my brother. She's got a lawsuit against them right now. So, um, so anyway, I just, I, I just wanted to throw that in because just let you know, I, I per, personal. Yeah, the articles I've written about the the kidney failure and remdesivir, it, it, it's 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 heartbreaking to read. The comments below the articles, it is, it's brutal because it happened to so many people and they're all not heard. They can write comments on my article, but if they post stuff on Twitter, they get shut down, you know, um, it's not being picked up, but this is murder. They know, they know they're killing these people with remdesivir, but, um, you know, so I, I'm able to sort through the data in a, in a finer granularity than anybody, uh, all the 
PhDs and doctors and everything else. So I was able to map out what's killing people. And like I said, all of a sudden on a year boundary, what is killing people changed. And I told you that the seasonality changed. And also, so the, the age changed. I, I have a way of calculating it. It's kind of complicated. I won't get into it on this. Um, but I'll just say that. So in order, in order for the excess uh, to move the needle on the total amount of the average age of death. So it went up to 81.3, like I said. The next year it went down to 75.0 in 2021. So COVID was 81.3 the year of COVID. Then it was 75.0 where normal is 75.3 to 75.8. So it was above in the year of 20, it was below in the year of 2021. Now, what does the excess deaths, what, what age do they have to be to make that total, uh, the, the average age? And it turns out that it's 79 to 82 and a half in 2020. Now, the average age of COVID deaths was 81 point something. It's right in the middle of that range. It's like, okay, well, you know, if all these excess people died of COVID, then it should be right in that range. In the next year, it, it's 59 to 69 where the average age of COVID in the year of 2021 was 75.8 in Massachusetts. So it's way above the range. That means the excess deaths cannot be attributed to COVID because if they were, it would be right in the middle of that range. So now I've shown that the seasonality profile is completely different on a year boundary. That's, that's the uh, when. Uh, the what is what's killing them. The symptom spectrum profile of what is killing people changed on a year boundary. And then the age profile changed on a year boundary, completely different, completely different. And, and um, you know, so far I'm the only one in the world who's, I, I figured this out in March and I had no voice because I don't have any followers or anything. Um, there was one, uh, I don't know, I don't know if we can freewheel it and do a quick story here, but of course, I, of course, because you, you you are coming. I've I've interviewed so many people about this, and you you are the only one that, that you're coming at it from a completely uh, unique standpoint. So this is fascinating. Sure, tell us. <clears throat> yeah, so I uh, I sued the governor. I don't know if you know. I, I sued the governor of Massachusetts, uh, the public health commissioner, the chief medical examiner, and four individual medical examiners no. for fraud, fraud on public records. Cool. And um, it's massive fraud. They're federal felonies. Uh, USC Section 1035 is uh, false statements with regard to healthcare matters. 1040 is fraud and um, disaster relief. 1343, fraud by wire. 241 is conspiracy against rights. Uh, 242 is deprivation of rights under color of law. I had to drop all those because the government has a monopoly on criminal prosecution, and those are all criminal statutes. So I stuck with... Um, Civil Action for Deprivation of Rights, which is uh, 42 USC Section 1983. And um, I narrowly tailored it in my amended complaint. Uh, but the point I'm getting to is that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. retweeted an article that the Children's Health Defense had written, uh, Madhavasetti, great guy. Um, just talked to him two hours ago. Um, and yeah, RFK we're gonna, we're gonna, when you're done, we're going to mention that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Robert F. Kennedy Jr. tweeted about the article and my case and said some nice things about me, and uh, he got eighteen thousand likes in six hours. And th this was last fall, before Elon's magic kicked in. So, 
I looked at my followers and I had 29.98 and then I had 3002 and then I had 29.98 and I had 3005 and then I had 29.90 so anytime it crossed 3000 they would subtract the yeah, same number from me again yeah they they did that to me yes so, so I ended up with like 13 total followers he got uh, 18,000 likes. I got 13 followers and I knew that's when I knew there was something wrong. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so like, Oh man, they've been throttling me for, for a long time. Um, and, and then, uh, Elon threw a switch and I got a thousand followers a week for the last 10 weeks. I'm up to 13,000 followers, which I is wish he'd throw a switch, a switch on me. Cause I, yeah, I, I can't go over like 3,500 and it just, it stays. And people tell me, Hey, I was following you and now I've been unfollowed. Yep. They and got it. Like, they're, 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 <laughs> yep. They're shadow banning you. Yes, <laughs> I, yes, yes. I ran myself through a, a program. Somebody after that, I started complaining to a small group of Massachusetts people online. We call team reality. And they said, oh, you should run it through this program. I'm like, oh, okay. So I ran it through. I was the highest rated shit. Like I had all the shadow bands on me, like to the to the highest degree. Big, <laughs> yeah. big red stop signs yeah, showed yeah. up all over the screen. Like, I'm sure. nobody. Why are they shadow banning me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, uh, I want to, before we get to the, uh, there's a couple questions here, but you, you were at, and, and when I talked to you earlier, you were at a, uh, an event for Children's Health Defense and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was speaking. And I think we had a um, yeah a world exclusive here. I don't think it's desperate. So what, tell, tell us about the, what, what question uh, he was asked. Yeah, so it's already hit the airwaves, but I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, <laughs> is it okay? okay. Yeah, no, I was driving home and my sister, I was talking to my sister. But oh. uh, all right, so somehow I ended up in the front row. <clears throat> uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was given a speech at St. Anselm College, which has some historical significance with regard to, um, well, I'll just say his, his father and, and others. And he gave the speech. It was very good. I mean, it, it he hit all the hot buttons that I would care about, the uh, the, the, the administrative state being too powerful and, and the um, uh, oligarchs and industry controlling the the government, that, that marriage of the two being wrong. He said all all the right things. He, it was a very good speech. And then he ended. And then they said that the other guy who's running it said, okay, we're going to take some questions. And so somebody from Children's Health Defense, um, his organization stood up and asked a question, uh, you know, vaccine related. And he, he gave a very good answer. Somebody else asked a question. He gave a very good answer. And then he stepped away from the podium and, and walked over to the side of the stage right in front of me. I mean, I was closest so I could hear. And a question pertained to uh, something like, you know, is, is the question coming? It's like, yeah, hey, yeah, the question's coming. So I think the question was set up. So then he walks back to the lectern and they point to a guy over on the, on the side. And the guy says, yeah, we just all want to know, are you running for president? And he said, I'm thinking about it. And my wife has given me the green light. So, there you so go. yeah, and, and the New York Times happened to be in the room. Okay. So, so yeah. it looks as though something might be happening on that front for the Democrat Party. Well, wonderful. That's that. That's And I, I tell you, you know, guys, you know, I'm still a Kennedy fanboy. So, uh, you know, don't talk to me about anybody else. If RFK Jr. runs, he's got my support. I'm sorry. Uh, you see the question on there from Chris Grace says, please ask the guest about COVID starting simultaneously. China, Italy, New York City, and Boston. He has the info. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, I might have the info, but I didn't come up with it. Uh, Jonathan Engler, um, professor out of England. I think he's, he's either a professor or I think he's a professor. He, he, he with another guy that I can't name, um, did a very good animated progression of, of cases and deaths and uh, around the world, having taken in all the data and then animated it, see what happens. And it, it comes out to be an impossibility that it was an accident that happened in China and then spread. It's just impossible. And, um, you know, Jonathan, uh, JJ Cooey, uh, he runs a podcast. He just interviewed me a couple of days ago. I have a long presentation. Actually, it wasn't that long. First one was like three hours. Uh, this one I did on strokes. I have a new strokes presentation. Um, well, he, he, uh, uh, JJ's idea is that you have to purify this to make enough of them to make it like a bioweapon grade. It's going to kill a lot of people all at once. It burns itself out so fast because of the velocity of mutation of RNA versus DNA. I think I said that earlier. That, that's in question. The other scientists I talked to are like, no, no, no. It's But that aside, everything else fits. What JJ says fits. What Jonathan Engler says fits. <clears throat> and that is you drop in a few places like New York City and Boston, Bergamo and Lombardy, Italy. The press gets a hold of it. Deaths happen. Everybody goes crazy. They lock down. The government starts doing stuff. Um, it, it did get down to uh, Mardi Gras because, right, you know, from Boston to Mardi Gras is like a single jump. Uh, once it goes through like five people, it's kind of like a cold for 99 point whatever percent. Um, you know, I really believe there is so, somebody put that spike protein on that coronavirus. You know, there, there's a guy I, I won't I, I hear a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know what to believe, but um Let's just say there's there's a guy from UT Austin who probably did that research, who probably put that spike protein on that coronavirus. Um, and, and it is uh, hemotoxic, cardiotoxic. Is it venom? No, it's not venom. It resembles it. <laughs> I remember that. it. It has a different origin in terms of how the glycoprotein is created. Uh, if they want to call it venom, that's fine. Uh, but what I believe that does is it turns people off that it's a big conspiracy theory. No, it's, I don't care if it's from a box jellyfish or a scorpion or a Portuguese man of war, a hymenoptera, which is bees, <laughs> wasps, yeah. hornets. Uh, it, it's a protein and it's toxic in the blood. And it's being, once it trans, once the mRNA transfects your cell, it basically turns the cell into a, a spike protein making factory. And if it never turns off, well, you're going to be making them for a long time. Um, and that's so it is bad. And I believe people died from this clotting problems and, and uh, bleeding problems from COVID in early uh, 2020 and, and since. <clears throat> um, but that, that's because most, most, of, most of it's kind of caught up in your lungs. Your mucosal defenses are so strong. It barely ever gets in your blood. But when it does, it can cause those things. Now, 100 times more, it occurs when you take that stuff in your arm, you bypass your mucosal defenses in your lungs, and you stick it into your body. It's supposed to be intramuscular. If you hit a vein, you're kind of screwed. It doesn't even have anything to do with a spike protein at that point. You, you, you've just shoved a bunch of lipid nanoparticles, so the lipids are transfecting cells. Your cells are, uh, are, are getting irritated and inflamed. 
Um, and then they're calling for T-cell attack. The T-cells attack. They kill your endotheliums, which are the inside lining of your blood vessels. And you're eating a hole in your blood vessels. If that happens, you can get a rupture in your, your aorta if it all goes there. Or if they disseminate and go you know, into various uh, arteries, um, you can get thrombocytopenia purpura. Um, you get uh, various clots that you know, aches and pains, dead nerve endings, all kinds of weird stuff that you wonder. I wonder if this has to do with the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. <laughs> how, how can all those things be the vaccine? Because you injected it, you hit a vein by mistake, it spread yeah. all over, and it made a bunch of weird stuff happen. If you deprive your, your an organ, your kidneys, your liver, your heart, if you deprive it of oxygen because of clots, like some you know, oxygenated yeah. blood feed, feeding to a muscle occurs or an organ occurs, it starts to die. It dies. Gotcha. I, I want to thank a couple of people. For GMO, thank you for the tip. And Truck Driver Man, thank you for the tip over in Rockton. Guard Goldsmith, our friend, says WMUR-TV, Channel 9 in Manchester, New Hampshire, just mentioned a few minutes after this discussion brought it up that RFK Jr. was thinking about a presidential run. So there you go. Hopefully we beat them to it. You see on, on screen there, there's two people, Angry Tiger and Rhonda Tate, both want me to ask you about shedding. What do you know about shedding? All right. Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a biologist. The opinion, this is the opinion of an engineer who's outside the purview of, of that shedding thing. But it, when you talk about shedding, you really have to narrow down the conversation. It's just a word. Um, right. It's very different whether it's fluid or aerosols. So first of all, is there shedding from mothers to babies and breast milk? Yes, that's a fact. And it's, and it's bad. Is there shedding from a man to a woman from semen? Yes, because the, the LNP has been known to collect in the uh, sex organs of both both uh, sexes. So that's a yes. Is it bad? Yeah, it's bad. Um, is there shedding through aerosols? You know, that, that hasn't been proven. Um, there's some weird stories going around. Personally, I believe that when you crash uh, leukocytes and neutrophils and all kinds of white blood cells um, by taking the injection, there are viruses that you're carrying that will rise. Um, they may not even be symptomatic to you, but you start shedding all these viruses. How many people got shingles? How many, how many people got shingles because they were around somebody who was vaccinated, who's <coughs> varicella, what do you call those things? It's not varicella, the uh, herpes zoster. Yeah, herpes yeah. zoster mm -hmm. rises in their body and they may not even exhibit symptoms but they are able to shed that to another. And so, yes, shedding of uh, herpes zoster or shingles did occur. That's a fact after people got vaccinated. What about all the other viruses people carry? Now, are we talking about COVID or are we talking people are coming down with weird symptoms because they just destroyed their immune system for 10 days or five days or whatever, how many days? Um, and then that, that's only the first shot, right? It, it gets worse after that. You know, yeah. it's a compounding thing. So um, I, I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe in aerosol shedding. I'm saying that it's more likely to me that it seems more likely to me that you're allowing various viruses to rise in your body such that you can shed them to other people. Why did RSV go up in the South uh, in 2021? when kids weren't even allowed to be vaccinated. You can say, well, it was a vaccine. No, it can't be. They weren't, they weren't vaccinated till the fall. They, their approval for their age groups didn't happen till the fall. 
but you vaccinated all the parents who were around the kids. And, and the parents probably were okay with RSV because they've encountered it how many times in their lives. But when you lowered their immune systems, it allowed the RSV high enough such that they could shed it to the children. That's more plausible a theory to me. Sorry, I went on so long about no, that. No, that, that's absolutely it. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. John Bassigalon uh, says, if anybody should have any juice in this Kennedy family, you should. Well, you'd think, but uh, <laughs> RFK Jr. knows who I am. He has the same publisher I have. He has my books because they send they send him and Jesse Ventura and Oliver Stone, all the big names they have. They, they send them all the books. So he knows about it. I don't know. Maybe he's scared of me because I, I, <laughs> he thinks I worship him so much. But, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just think that there, so many that have been killed. I think they're uh, they're on our side. I don't know. But uh, anyhow, so that's why that is. I don't unfortunately, I don't think I have any. The only his sister, uh, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, has actually answered me a few times. Uh, but you know, never. <clears throat> I, I tried to get her to, to come on the show, but she just kind of I don't know. She gets kind of strange answers. But uh Let's see that uh, Ryan, right? Tonio Wendolini says that the country has any chance and Kennedy be the only hope. I, I, that's what I think. I, I mean, I, I think at this point there's, and I don't even know if he would, but uh, I, I think at this point he'd be a, a, a someone I think that a lot of people could rally around. I don't know how you feel about that, John. Um, I, I I'd be really afraid for him. Well, yeah, yeah, no question about it. And, and he's not going to have any support from his family. You know that. I think he's got one sibling or something. I don't think the rest of them will vote for him, but welcome to there. I mean, you know, my, my family wouldn't vote for me either, most of them. So uh, he, he said all the right things. He, he uh, Sorry to interrupt. I, no, my, yeah. my hearing isn't good sometimes. But uh, he said he didn't just say all the right things. So I can tell you, my job, I say I'm an engineer, but I was in sales for over 30 years in large contracts. So, I mean, the, the company spent – over $40,000 training me in all kinds of trainings. And that in addition to being a personality of being hyper aware, they used to call me and all the tests I've taken. And so I read people and um, yeah, I can be fooling. I can be fooled. Sorry. <laughs> fooling. Yeah. I can be fooled. Uh, anybody can be fooled, especially if somebody believes their own bullshit, excuse my language, um, then I can be fooled. But uh, I believe he was genuine today. I believe he was genuine in that in, yeah. in saying that the, the country has been taken over. Uh, the world has been taken over by these oligarchs. Yeah. And, and in the United States, it's that public-private uh, fascism. He didn't use the word fascism. I am. Uh, that's that's occurring with agency. Um, you know, the the administrative state and agency law. That's the tap. Not agency law. It's administrative law. Um, agency law is different. Sorry. It it's uh it it it's so bad that who's going to fix it? They're going to take anybody out who tries to fix it. They took Trump out pretty easily. And I don't, you know, I'm not sorry. I'm talking about killing people now, right. um, but I would be afraid for Kennedy. Um, you know, it, it, you got to be scared because these people are so powerful. They don't have any souls. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, Carlo Maria Vigano. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is. No, He's, I don't know. So he was the nuncio from the Vatican to the U.S., basically like the ambassador from the Vatican to the U.S., and when Bergoglio came in, and that's Pope Francis, came from Argentina. Oh, I think I do. I, yeah, he was. I, I think I read some of his stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So, so he, he basically relegated him to being Archbishop of Kosovo. So he made Vigano Archbishop of Kosovo, and did 
he still ran his mouth and uh, said, there's, there's an issue in the Vatican and uh, <clears throat> there are a bunch of globalists, cultists, and I don't want to say some of the other bad stuff that Vigano says. He's still a priest in the Catholic Church. He's not been defrocked. I believe his responsibility has been taken away, but he comes out hard against the globalists. Um, and, and people should look at it. So uh, Pope Francis gave a speech November 13, 2021 in Paris about globalism, talking about how great it is and that how you don't have to worry about personal responsibility. Uh, it's not personal responsibility that's important. We all have to take care of each other in a global society which is really weird and anti, anti-Catholic. Um, so three days later or four days later, Vigano gave a 10 minute speech. So I, I, people on Rumble, people should go to Rumble and look at Vigano's speech. He, he speaks in English, very thick Italian accent, speaks in English for 10 minutes. Just look at that one from November of 2021. He also came out with a 28 or a 30 minute speech, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And that 30 minutes lays out what's happening all over the world at the highest levels. Every, everything is true in what he's saying, and he lays it out. That's a that that 30 minutes is jam-packed with information. Yeah, that, that sounds fascinating. Christy uh, Ripperger, thank you very much for the tip. And she says her ex-husband hid getting vaccinated from them, and uh, as a result, their, her her daughter was sick with a fever, headache, and body aches. Uh, let's see what else she says here. Um, so she, I think, I think she's basically saying there maybe he shed on her. So I, yeah, because that's it's ironic, isn't it? If we, because there's so many people that are vaccinated that are holier than thou, and they they basically hold it against us that we're a danger to them. But it would be very <laughs> ironic if we had more to fear from them than they do from us, right? We absolutely do. Yeah, there's no question about. They have nothing to fear from us. Right. <laughs> We're, we're the ones with the strong immune systems. They're lowering their immune systems such that they're allowing uh, viral replication so that it can be shed into aerosols and exosomes. And, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> well, no, what, but how, how do you deal? I mean, I, I, you see the memes all the time where these people are, uh, they are, they've gone beyond denial, delusion, whatever you want to call it. But at this point, because, I mean, I know almost everybody I know is, is vaccinated. My family, myself and my kids are the black sheep. You know, we've already missed one wedding because you know, we wouldn't get vaccinated to come to the wedding. I'm sorry, you know, but, and uh, it's, that's the way it is. But everybody I know, all these people have gotten COVID, most of them more than once. So whatever it is, so we haven't, or all, like, I can't say that my kids have, I haven't. But so at what point when you've had it five, and I see these celebrities say, I just got COVID for the sixth time and they've been jabbed and boosted. At what point did they start questioning it at all? I mean, it, at the very least, these vaccines aren't stopping you, whatever this thing is. You know, I'm sus suspicious of what it is, but assuming it's some kind of real danger, this isn't working for you. So why why do you think they cling to this so much? Because they're so vested in it? Uh, no, because they, they don't have a true moral foundation. They, they've supplanted their true uh, Judeo-Christian moral foundation with a, with a foundation of, I believe, in government. You know, and, and then it's picked the religion of the day, whether it's LGBT or BLM, whatever can be implanted into them through the media, yeah. that becomes their morality. And it's a, it's a moving target. It's amorphous. It's not solid. And so they can make excuses to be angry and hateful toward others because, well, the others are haters. And so, you know, that, that 
how, how can they justify? Well, they do uh, because it's a false religion. And so it's it's all. I mean, to me, it's a, it's if you don't have a, a strong, true moral foundation, and it doesn't have to be Judeo-Christian. I mean, it's just it, whether it's a true moral foundation and you stick to your principles, or you change your principles based on what the the, the party tells you. Are you are you really just D blue? Is that what you are? You have a letter and a color associated with, and you'll do whatever that D blue tells you. Yeah, and that's your morality, really. <laughs> well, as you can see, people love you. John Lawler says this is a great guest. Uh, Kat Goya says I already had to retweet and repost this because this is exciting news. I know she's a big RFK Jr. fan too, and this is a great guest. You are a great guest, Chris. Uh, I, I, you probably don't want to go into the esoteric. This this is my wheelhouse. The es the empty hospitals and the dancing nurses. I'll have lots of that in my book. I know that's nothing for an engineer to comment on, but uh, you, you certainly you well, must be curious about that. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I can bum out your audience if you want to get some real truth going here. <laughs> sure. We want truth. That's what we want. <laughs> so there's two things. One is data. I told you about the data. Everything changed on a year boundary. The other thing is I, 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 I got all this fraud that I found, um, like acute fentanyl intoxication, tested a dead body for COVID. It's a COVID death. Uh, blunt force trauma to the head, blunt force trauma to the torso. Um, yeah. I have, you know, my exhibit F in my case is 123 pages. The first 10 or 12 pages are summaries because I know the judge isn't going to read 123 pages of hard evidence. So I gave him summaries. And what, page page four sounds like this. I don't have it up, so I can't read it. But it's not. So what I have is uh, from onset of, excuse me, from vaccine to onset of symptoms, I'm going to give you the time. And then I'm going to tell you what they died from. I'll just say all, the ages are mostly uh, 50s and 60s. There's a couple of 80s. There's one that's 47. Um, and, and these are all people who died in uh, 21, maybe a couple in 22. So you, you've got um, one day cardiac arrhythmia, one day cardiac arrhythmia, one day cardiac arrest, two days pulmonary embolism, uh, three days thrombocytopenia. And it just goes on. I, I, I go through like 15 of those. Onset of symptoms one guy's five minutes cardiac arrest. He didn't get out of the clinic. He died right on the spot. These are deaths that occurred with onset of symptoms in minutes to hours after the vaccine. And then they died. And there's no record on the, on the death certificate that they died from the vaccine. That's fraud by omission. Um, there are, <clears throat> I told you about Cassidy, the seven-year-old. They said she died of COVID. Here's what the VAERS report says. She was injected, and within five minutes, she started throwing up. She threw up for eight to 10 hours. That's the first vaccine. Then they give her the second injection a few weeks later. She has severe abdominal pain, spiked 103 fever, and she was dead in three days. You know what they wrote on her death certificate? COVID. They said she died of COVID. All the parents run out, and they get their kids vaccinated. They killed her with the vaccine. I don't know if you, you probably know this, but I, when my brother died, beyond just the, the tragedy and being heartbroken, what really shocked me is when we went to go make funeral arrangements for him. I mean, I did all the arrangements. They told me that if COVID was on the death certificate, FEMA was going to kick in and cover most of the costs. 9000 Yeah. And I said, what? You know, and I said, OK, I'm going I'm to hold off until I get the money because I'll take the money, you know, but because <laughs> it's but. Uh, this so and and you know what else they did? They the hospital sent a letter to my brother, and the brother who was they just killed. They addressed it to him and thanked him for the opportunity 
for them to serve him by killing him. So that's how that's how incompetent they are and how, you know, absurd it is that they don't even, you know, fact check anything, fact check. And they uh, waived the rest of his medical bills. And I've talked to many other people <coughs> talked about how one woman was in the hospital with battling the ventilators and all that for like three months. She survived, thank goodness. But she said she never got a hospital bill. And then they, on top of that, I, you know, I stay away from them as much as I possibly can, but I had a little tiny bill that I, any medical bill I've ever gotten, I, I refuse to pay it. So, you know, it's ridiculous. I, I pay enough with the health insurance. So it's always the, at the bottom of my bill. So they were, they just waived what I owed them too. So to me, what is, I, I think that says, this is a special thing. They're, they're, you know, they want people to, to not speak, think too critically. And most people, you know, are going to say, Hey, that's, that's cool. You know, he died in the hospital, but Hey, you know, they covered most of his funeral. That's pretty good. I mean, it, I mean, I can only imagine that's their rationale. A AOC was very proud of that. She got that $9,000. It's capped at nine oh, grand. She got an extra oh. nine grand on the EUA under the CARES yeah. Act. It was, oh. it was added in a little bit later. Yeah. There's extra money for the ventilator. A lot of money. Uh, yes, people, yes. people try to say numbers, but it varies by state. It's a complicated formula. So yeah. I'll tell you about the strokes because this, this one's a really tough. Um, I have a whole presentation on strokes. I just premiered it on Tuesday on a different uh, podcast. So um, Di Diane was 62 years old. She got injected, had a headache, and she was dead in a few days from stroke. <clears throat> it was a, a, a acute intracranial hemorrhage in the setting of thrombocytopenia. So she was a bleeding stroke, hemorrhage, hemorrhagic stroke. Uh, two weeks after she died, uh, because they didn't investigate that, stop the vaccine. Brianna was a high school teacher. She was 30 years old, only 30 years old. She had a headache uh, within 24 hours. So bad, she went to the ER. I've never been to the ER for a headache in my life. I don't know anyone who has, but uh, that's how bad it was. They sent her home with a migraine. It was so bad, she went back again. They sent her home again. She didn't recognize her sister. She didn't know what a mask was for. They brought her in. She had intracranial pressure, so they cut a hole in her head to relieve the pressure, which didn't work because the clots were all through her brain, and you can't relieve the pressure by cutting a hole in the skull if there are clots all through the brain. So she had a seizure, paralyzed on one side of her body, uh, slipped into a coma, went brain dead, and two weeks later, they pulled the plug. And because they didn't do anything about her, five weeks after, and this is all Massachusetts only. <clears throat> so we got a March 18th and then like an April 15th. And then uh, uh, Eden was 17 years old, 17. She gets the vaccine. She has a headache so bad. She goes to her PCP, prim primary care physician. So bad. She goes back to him again. Then it resolved. And then she gets her second shot, which killed her with a CVST, which is cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. So much pressure in her brain. She had a, a, a massive swelling that tried to push her brain down through her neck. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so you've got three, three, three stroke deaths in three months within, with the uh, onset of symptoms right away. And, and I just, somebody just sent me a 12 year old a couple of weeks ago. And that's, that's in my new presentation. Um, they input it into VAERS six months later six months. But the interesting thing about uh, Brianna, the 30-year-old, is that the doctors from Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital, Harvard Medical College, six of them wrote a brief report that's published in the Neurohospitalist uh, Journal. 
And they wrote in the title, fatal post-mRNA vaccine-associated cerebral ischemia. They say that it was a stroke in the title, that the vaccine caused it in the title, and that it was fatal and killed her in the title. Then in the body of the uh, brief report, which is maybe four pages, five pages, they wrote that, um, you know, this isn't a CVST type stroke, uh, although we've seen those with this COVID vaccine. This and, and that's what Eden died of five weeks later. And then they said, this isn't thrombocytopenia uh, type of stroke, even though we've seen that frequently. They said that's frequent with this vaccine. Well, that's what Diane died of two weeks earlier. And then they say, we need to monitor VAERS, even though we've never seen anything like this in VAERS. Oh, really? Then why didn't you report this to VAERS? Because Absolutely. you didn't report this to VAERS. I know who reported it to VAERS. And then she took six weeks to report it to VAERS. And she was pissed off at the doctors because they didn't report it. Yeah, I, I, I want to be. I want to make sure because I want to get that you get to the questions. Uh, you see, Lisa okay. on screen there. Any thoughts about Robert Malone? I'm gonna see what else we have here. Um, I, I mean, you know, you, you got a guy who speaks slowly by his yeah. nature, but he yeah, speaks yeah. extra slowly when asked certain questions. Now, imagine <laughs> if you had you had worked for the government for thirty yeah. whatever years in your entire career, and you have all kinds of bioweapons knowledge in your head. You have to be very careful what you say. And so you slow down your speech patterns to think about what you're saying so you don't either end up in jail or killed. Do I think he's a good guy? I don't know. I, I really don't yeah, know. Yeah, pe people, I know lots, lots of people have suspicions about him. I know that's why, you know, I think that's why the question was asked. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. What I, I know there's, I was way behind on here. Um, here it is. I've met him. He, he, he was honest well, you know, in the discussion with you, me. But. You know all these people. Chris Gray says, "What, what does John I I guess think? Think what do you think of DNA being rewritten? Simultaneous outbreaks, empty hospital. Okay, well he's asking. That's There's a lot, lot of things. things. <laughs> yeah, I don't maybe, maybe address the D DNA being rewritten. Uh, the corpses having monstrous things in van. Oh, did you say the DNA being rewritten? That's out of yeah. my purview. I was just talking to okay. Kevin McKernan. Uh, <laughs> go go look at whatever Kevin McKernan says on that one. In fact. Kevin just uh, DNA sequenced. He got a couple of vials, one of Pfizer, one Moderna, maybe three weeks ago. He just reported on his findings um, in the sequencing. He found DNA in the vials, which means there's that's uh, it's uh, contamination in manufacturing where DNA got in. The specific type of DNA that he found uh, can cause um, uh, if if it gets to the um, intestines, it can cause. Uh, uh, antibiotic resistance. So there's specific antibiotics that you become resistant to. So if you get a bad shot with this contamination that has that DNA in it, um, then it, it, you get an infection and now you're in the hospital and you're, you're dying from the infection and they give you these antibiotics, they're not going to do anything because, because you had this crap that was injected into you that created antibiotic resistance. Great. Well, we, we, and you see people that people keep saying how much they like you. And obviously there's a great reason to do that. I want to give you the last uh, minute or two to uh, anything else you want to talk about, anything you want to promote, give out your website and all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, I write under the name Coquina Chien, which is C-O-Q-U-I-N-D-E-C-H-I-E-N.substack.com. The initials of Coquina Chien is CDC. So I'm the real CDC. 
um, via vera vita, which is the way, the truth, and the life, V-I-A-V-E-R-A-V-I-T-A.com. That's the website where I put some of the, my lawsuits if you're interested in the law. Exhibit F. Go read Exhibit F. Go read Exhibit F. The first 10 pages. That'll blow you away. There's more evidence in Exhibit F than anywhere in the world against this vaccine, and it's sworn to in federal court. If you go to Twitter, this will be the last thing. John Bodwin Sr., J-O-H-N-B-E-A-U-D-O-I-N-S-R. That's my Twitter handle. That has the other two websites right in my profile there. Oh, lastly, just type my name into Rumble. There's about 30 different stuff in Rumble, the podcast presentations. I, I make videos when I walk through the woods with my dog. Um, so <laughs> do you, what, what's the name of your website again? It's Viva. It's a, it's an old, it's an nope. old Latin Catholic. What's it? No, no Viva. No Viva. Via. That's the way. The, v, the way you do something is via, right? And then vera, which is uh, plural for truth in Latin. Uh, and then vita, which is either Italian or Latin for life. Uh, so I, I lost my son like four and a half years ago. And uh, he, oh, was born, sorry, he was born on the uh, 14th day of June. Yeah, thank you. Um, he was born on the 14th day of June. His name is John. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So that's where that's all about. And um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until I chose the website. I was in my car and I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't know the name of my website that I had chosen and where it came from. And I looked it up and sure enough, that's my son's name, his day and month of birth all by accident. And I started wow. crying in the car. I put the phone down, the light turned green and I heard the radio and the radio said um, the very verse, sweet child of mine, all that happened in five seconds. So Wow. Yeah, wow, that's well, it's we're in a spiritual battle. And I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you you obviously recognize that. And uh, this is, you're a great guest. I, I'd love to keep you longer, but I have another guest waiting. And I, we have to have you back because, I mean, people loved you and there's so much more we can talk about. And uh, obviously, I wish you luck with everything you're doing. We'll keep in touch. Uh, John Bodwin, thank you so much for being on the show. And I'll have to have you back on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. OK, take care. Okay, so it's Bob with Steve Ubani. I want to thank uh, Christy. Oh, I want to make sure over here in Rockfin first I get this right. Christy Ripperger, you tipped me again? I, I, well, that's fantastic. I really appreciate that. Uh, you're too generous. Thanks. Thank you so much. And I, I got your suggestion for a show. I don't know uh, about DARPA's Narrative Networks or Dr. James Giordano, but um, I will try to look into that. You know, I have a lot of... Uh, guest suggestions as, as uh, John was and uh, people I know myself. So I, I was certainly uh, looking that I appreciate the the tip. And of course, I appreciate the, uh, the suggestion. Okay, we're going to bring on our second guest. This guy's uh, familiar to me. He's probably familiar to you too. Steve Ubaney is a writer of the Who Murdered series. There's Who Murdered FDR. There is Who Murdered Elvis. There's Who Murdered Diana. And I think he's working on Who Murdered Tesla and the Hermut, the Hermut or Diana. But we're going to have a uh, talk to him when he comes. Let me see, get this here. Okay. This is the, the handy Who Murdered Diana book. We're going to have three of these babies. To, uh, it's almost like real radio, isn't it? <laughs> to give away. And I think Steve's going to come up with a trivia question or something for people. And the first three people, I guess, that uh, – or the, I guess we'll – you need three trivia questions, actually. And the three people that answered – 
get a signed copy of that book. Steve Ubaney, welcome to the show. Donald Jeffries, how are you? Okay, good to see you. Uh, and you're and you're looking great by your avatar there. I see. There's something you look like the question of the superhero. Have you seen the question? Uh, he doesn't have a face. <laughs> He's a conspiracy guy, but he doesn't have a face. So that's I thought maybe you're that's your new identity. No, no, I've got a face made for radio, so I had to do this, Don. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. people think this is an avatar, but I really just look this way. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. So, well, welcome, and uh, you know, we, the. Uh, do you want to give out a, a trivia question first? And we'll see. Basically, I guess the way, I guess you guys email me at authorjeffries at gmail.com and uh, e email me uh, with your address if you get it right. So uh, so what, what's what's the, the question for people? Because we're going to talk, I think, we're going to talk mostly about, I believe, Elvis and Lisa Marie, but uh, just for the, the book is Who Murdered Diana. So do you have do you have a trivia question? Well, I didn't know they were all supposed to be about Diana. I had three trivia questions for different things, but that's okay. I'll figure something out. Oh, I think, what well, didn't you? I think you, did you give me, I thought you gave me all Diana books. Let me make sure. I think so. I'll, I'll wing it. No big yeah, deal. Yeah, it's, it's all Diana. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had them all done ahead of time, but I thought they were for different books. But oh, okay. I just wanted to say, I loved your last guest. And I just, I don't know anything about vaccines, but I know what the word experimental means. Yeah. Okay. I know a little bit about, you know, language and definitions of things i heard experimental and i went that's it i'm done not even thinking about it all right mm -hmm. not getting it and i'll tell you what if i have a dog and i take it for a rabies shot and i take it for another rabies shot and i take it for another rabies shot and i take it for another rabies shot and the damn thing comes down with the rabies you have to start asking some questions okay? you'd think wouldn't you <laughs> so you know i'm gonna move on from that because it's not, not necessarily my my area of expertise, but I enjoyed your last guest very much. So, well, that's that's nice to hear. So, uh, before we start talking about Elvis, so you want to what get whatever trivia question you made about Diana, and then we'll uh, you know if you want, you can send me, you can just send me a couple others, and then we'll just give out you know we'll we'll have award one book today, and then maybe on another show I'll just do it again if I get a couple more questions from you. I so actually texted you all three, but I'll give you one right now. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't see. Okay. Well, you know what? Here, let's see. I didn't know. I didn't because my phone's off. Obviously, let's see. Okay. It's uh, fun to be back on your show. It's been some time, hasn't it? It's it been, has. Yeah. Okay. It's been okay. Three times, but I think it's been at least a year. Okay. Well, we can well, we can use the first one because. Um, yeah. Okay. So, the, okay. What do the death scenes of Elvis Presley, JFK, Princess Diana, and Marilyn Monroe have in common? Okay. So if you, if you, you can put your answer in the chat and uh, we'll put your answer up on screen or actually on YouTube, it's better because I can put it on screen, but you can, you can do either that or Rockfin. And then uh, the judge will be Steve Obaney since he wrote the question. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Steve. So we can talk about what you want to talk about now. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, this, this, the death of uh, um, Lisa Marie Presley, because, mm -hmm. you know, this was, I knew Lisa Marie. Um, I met her by accident uh, in, it, when, you know, when she died, it was just, it just, just gutted me. I couldn't believe that this happened. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the background and how I met her and how I know something very nefarious is going on. And if somebody isn't looking into this death, they're not doing their job okay. because there's something very strange going on when you're eight weeks out and you don't have a toxicology report back or an autopsy report back. Mm 
something is going on. All right. Um, hate to be that guy, but you know what? I am. I'm that guy. All right. I have to be that guy. So, um, in 2012, I just I wrote my first book on uh, on Elvis Presley, and I got a, a public relations um, a PR agent down in Memphis, and I ended up on Memphis Television. We were doing some we were doing some events and certain and so forth down in in Memphis, and my events were next to or close to uh, Lisa Marie's events, and we kept running into each other. It was hysterical. You know, I mean, like face to face, like bumping into each other. And the first couple of times it was, oh, hi, how are you? You know, pardon me, sort of thing. The third time we're in hysterics because it's like three times in one day we're bumping into each other face to face, you know. And um, next morning it'd be on Memphis television. I think it was a Fox affiliate down there. And uh, I'm in the green room, also known as the nervous as hell room, because that's what you are. You're nervous as hell. And I'm watching television, waiting to go on, Lisa Marie's on. And I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to follow this, right? So I'm so damn nervous. I, I've got cotton mouth so bad. So I'm like, I got to find a drinking fountain or something. So I found one of the little water coolers, and I got um, one of those little paper cups, little shot glasses of water, you know, <laughs> just basically right. what it is. Right. So I take my shot glass of water, and I turn. Lisa's off camera, and she's face-to-face -face with me again. And she's like, who are you? And why do I keep running into you? This is really strange. And I said, well, I'd like to get into this with you, but I'm on, you know, <laughs> they're on commercial. I've got to go on the set. I can't have this conversation with you right now. So I go on and I was in like, you know, five, 10 minutes or something. And whenever you're, whenever you're on television, it seems like an eternity anyway. So I get off and who's, who's sitting there? Lisa Marie wants to know who I am and why I'm supposed to keep bumping into her. So, um, very sweet, very sweet girl. Um, very, very down to earth. So cool. In fact, and so down to earth, I had to keep reminding myself who this person was, mm -hmm. you know, um, she was really, um, she was really quite an interesting person. And out of that stemmed a friendship that, you know, lasted quite some time. Um, there's been a lot of hubbubaloo about the person in the golden globes. Mm-hmm not being Lisa Marie. Um, pictures are swirling all over the place. And I know I've sent you a couple things. Yes, like, you have. Yes. Yep. And does that look like Lisa Marie to you? Profile versus profile? Uh, you know, it does, at this point, Steve, I, you know, I, I don't believe anything. So yeah, I see these things all the time and <laughs> nobody looks like anybody. I don't know. I, I, I remember Dallas Goldbug back in the day. I, I you know, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's really nothing shocks me at this point. So anything you say, I'm, I'm certainly not yeah. going to be that skeptical. So, uh, well, you I, know, somebody sent it to me and they're like, do you knew her? Did you, do you think this looks like her? And it was January 8th was Elvis Presley's 88th birthday. And it was a side profile picture of her. 88. Wow. <laughs> on, yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. Isn't it? And it was a profile <laughs> picture of her. On, you know, on the 8th, two days later, it was the same profile picture on January 10th. Looks totally different. Lisa Marie had a very flat forehead. This other person had this, you know, curved, bulbous forehead in two days. How do you change the shape of your forehead? A little hard to do. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are asking a lot of questions, and uh, they need to keep asking questions, too, because... You know, there's, there's something very, very wrong with this death of Lisa Marie.
Well, I certainly there's uh, they're, they're they're putting up a couple answers here. There's, you see the answer on the screen from John Lawler. They were all hidden. Oh, that's a great question. That's a great answer. But you know what? That's not the one I was looking for. Okay, and and, and Mary Mary Buchwin said they were all covered up. Well, that's true. Mary, uh, you're you're right. But I'm talking about the death scene itself. Right. The I scene. figured I figured it was something a little more specific. It's going to be I probably it hard. To no, it let's wait and see how. Uh... John Waller likes your tie. Even though it's not really yours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tied it myself. Thanks. I'll just see. I'll put them on the screen as, if we have any more uh, guesses. Uh, okay. Um, well, Chris Buckin says Elvis was king of rock and roll, and Marilyn was the queen of stage and screen. But that that doesn't address all the uh, all the scenes. So. Uh, Okay, let me know when you want me to give it to him. We'll just give a book to somebody. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. Well, well, then we have to figure out who gets it. So, you guys, come on, come up with it. Yes, or send it back to me. Or Steve, <laughs> or Steve, Steve will have to come up with a, a, a maybe quite something not quite so hard, but uh, that's okay. That's fine. So, if anybody can get that, just keep guessing on here. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Steve. So, um, I just wanted to say what a, what a huge loss this is for a lot of people. Um, she was very much Elvis Presley's daughter, uh, headstrong rebellious uh very very sweet though she was really cool and i think the reason why we became friends is because i didn't want anything from her you know i wasn't after an autograph i didn't want her to appear we could just hang out you know and um we talked about barbecue <laughs> you know stuff like that so you know in, in order to understand this girl you have to understand kind of what her life was um parents divorce at four Elvis doesn't get a chance to spend a lot of time with her. So when she, when he does, it's Disney world for her ponies, mm -hmm. and golf carts, all kinds of things, you know, are at her disposal, hamburger beds, you know, <laughs> <laughs> bed was shaped like a hamburger. <laughs> and then by contrast, she has to go spend the other time with her mother where she's very, very strict, very disciplinarian. Yeah. Nine years old, she's one of the people who finds her father dead on the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, I don't have to tell you how traumatic that must have been. So she goes to live after that with her mother full time. And actually, she came out with this, um, uh, that her mother's boyfriend at the time was molesting her. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Chris Buchan said he scroll up. He said it's, all, it's about your answer. <clears throat> the answer is about killing royalty. Nope, it's easier than that. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt your story. <laughs> these are these are great. These are man. I didn't know there were so many questions or so many potential answers to this. You know, but anyway. Uh, okay, Cat um, Goya says she's she's already suggested that uh, Gene uh, that Gene Dixon predicted them all. That's another one, actually. That's that's okay. another one. I didn't think about that one. Okay. Should I give the answer? Should you just pick somebody? No, no, I'd, I'd wait. Let's 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 wait because again, if they don't, if they don't get it, well, you got to get something right. You know, there are no participation trophies here. Well, I'll try and make something a little easier next time because I want to give books yeah. away. Yeah, no, it's, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll work it out. So, we'll, we'll find something. <laughs> so, um, where did I leave off in the story here? Okay, so she so she goes to um, she's getting molested by her mother's boyfriend and of course she ends up in drugs and all kinds of problems because she's uh 
tormented, I would say. Uh, if you can find a picture of Lisa Marie when she's young and she's smiling, good luck because they're not out there. I mean, this, she had a real rough time, you know. Oh, I can imagine. So, I mean, she goes into Scientology there and they um, apparently they have some, I don't know much about Scientology, but they have some sort of a, a therapy or some their type of therapy or something which helped her get on the straight and narrow. Which is why, you know, which is why uh, she had such a tough time. And not only put aside being Elvis Presley's daughter and trying to find your way through life that way. Shoot, the, you know, I mean, fill those shoes. Go ahead. Sure, I dare you. Exactly. You know. um, so we had a lot of private conversations that I will take to my grave. Um, I will never write a book on them. I will never repeat them. What I can repeat, though, is um, she didn't have anything bad to say about anyone that she married. She had uh, really nice things to say about everyone. She regretted the Michael Jackson thing. She was trying to find. Can't believe some... that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. She was, she was trying to find someone, but it's to her credit that she left them, right? So yeah. um, she was trying to find someone who was more famous than she was so mm -hmm. she could not be in the spotlight anymore. So she could just yeah. be average, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course, that, that, went over like, that went over like new Coke, you know? <laughs> is is your is your do you have a cousin named Sam? Somebody in the set says you were doing great cousin, or is it my cousin? Sam, who's who are you talking about? You were doing great cousin. I don't know who that means. Like, so I, one of our cousins is watching the show, I guess. Uh Cat well, Goya says, related to make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cat <laughs> uh, Goya says really, really creepy how Steve looks like a guy I went to prom with a thousand years ago. Okay, I guess we I guess I really started something talking about your avatar, but uh, you went to you went to a prom with a faceless person, cat. Okay, well, this, okay. this guy is much better looking than I am, believe me. So. <laughs> oh, so, here you go. Here, here's one more. Okay. Son of Gummy all died in August. That's not do obviously JFK didn't die in August. November 22nd, 63. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice try, son of a gunny. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting your uh, your story. Go ahead. So I don't know. She's she's gonna be missed tremendously. She was I always she was really cool. She was one of these people who no matter what card game that you were playing, she had a card in that game. If you were playing a cute game. She had a cute card. If you were playing a bitchy game, she had a bitchy card or a defiant card or a sexy card or a cool card. I mean, she was, this was a very, very multifaceted person. Very cool. Very sweet. And, and the matter of fact, she was so damn down to earth. I had to keep reminding myself who this person was. Well, I mean, I'm wondering, you see, because because of who the person was, did you ever, I mean, did you ever, this is the way my mind works, but did you ever like think of like, you know, hey, making some advances towards her or were you had any romantic interest in her or was that just something you didn't even consider? Never entered it. I didn't even, okay. you know, that wasn't even part of the, I mean, the girl was gorgeous. I mean, when yeah. I met her, I never saw a, a photograph or a, a video or anything that, um, that captured how pretty this girl was in person, you know, which is why these, these, this, the argument is being made about these body doubles, okay? And a lot of people have body doubles. Yeah. They're common. Stalin, Hitler, Abraham Lincoln, Queen Elizabeth, mm -hmm. Princess sure. Diana. In the Diana book, whoever gets that Diana book is going to see Princess Diana's body double, mm -hmm. all right? Uh, and when you get to the point where you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars and or your uh, royalty or in charge of countries or something, you know, body doubles come in handy. 
um, Princess Diana was receiving death threats, and nobody knew it. Um, well, somebody knew it, but nobody in the public knew it. So that's why she used a body double. Um, and in the case of this one, you know, Lisa Marie was tiny. She was like five two. Mm-hmm. You know, she came up to, you know, my ch- my chest. You know, she was such mm-hmm. a teeny little thing. Mm-hmm. And um, Priscilla's like five five. And I'm seeing these two standing together. And not only does this girl not have dainty, tiny little features, um, she would have to have she she would have to be standing on concrete blocks to be as tall as she is. There's just a lot of it that uh, there's a lot of it that just doesn't fit, you know. Sure. And you know what? I didn't come up with this. Somebody out there, and I won't mention his name because he told me not to, was looking at these pictures and said, "Hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here." Mm-hmm. So. I, I well, something usually is wrong here in all these things. Uh, Chris Buckin says, uh, second try, all those people are like the most famous people in their fields at the time they died. Another guess? <laughs> you know, that that's not a bad guess. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know, you I, get, wait, wait, Chris, why don't, well, I, think, I think you've earned yourself a book. You've guessed yeah, like give him a book. E- yeah. Email me, email me your address at author Jeffrey Jeffries at gmail.com. <clears throat> author isn't writer, A-U-T-H-O-R Jeffries at gmail.com. And uh we'll we'll get that book to you. So uh okay. So no more guesses, everybody. Well, I'll give the answer to that one. Should I give okay, the yeah, what yeah, what is the answer you were going for? All the death scenes were sanitized. Elvis Presley's okay. death scene was sanitized. Yeah. Uh JFK was taken to Parkland and he take gets taken in with his brains blowing out. And the Secret Service is sanitizing the death scene with buckets yeah. and sponges. Yeah. Corrupted the crime scene in the limousine, yeah. Princess Diana was, uh, you know, she they called in specialized equipment to sanitize the tunnel to erase all evidence. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, the police detectives get there, and the maid is doing the laundry, for God Almighty. Could you think, could you imagine this? You talk right. about sanitizing a death scene. So I'm sorry that right. one was so hard, folks, but I'll try and make the next one easier. Oh, okay. Son, son of a gunny. I'm sorry, son of a gunny. I, I didn't mean to besmirch you. You said, uh, you said Elvis, Marilyn, and Lady Diana. Well, that's true. Did Lady Diana? It was Lady. Well, Lady was the Diana was at the end of August. Okay, so he. I guess he didn't hear JFK. He said he know he. Okay, I'm sorry, son of a gunny. I did not. He said he'll decline to participate. Don't decline to participate. I'm sorry. That was a. That was actually a. A good guess. Uh, JFK is obviously the one that stood out to me, and I had forgotten uh, Diana died in August. Yeah, so I wonder why J. That. I wonder why JFK would stand out to you. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder why yeah. that might be. <laughs> I don't know. I I really that's it's no wonder RFK Jr. probably is, he probably says hey, this guy's a nut. No, I'm not. I'm not that much of a fanboy, really. I just you know, I've been writing about your family for a long time. Sorry, <clears throat> but um, sorry. So, so I apologize, son of a gunny. Please don't hate me. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so you, so you're, you're looking at this now let, and let's get to, uh, you mentioned Priscilla Presley and you have a slightly uh, different opinion on Priscilla. She, uh, I don't, I don't think you're too fond of her, right? Oh no, I never said that. I know she's <laughs> not very fond of me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, people say a lot of things, man, you know, <laughs> Yeah. But, um, you know, she doesn't, um, I, the only thing that the only grudge I have, and it's not really much of a grudge, um, you know, she she divorced Elvis in '74, and '77 Elvis dies, 
or he was murdered. Come on, guys, let's just tell the truth. And if you don't think he was murdered, Colonel Parker was in the mob. Elvis was in the in the uh, FBI. And if you don't think this is going to end well, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll donate a book to somebody who doesn't believe that. Read out, read Elvis, uh, who murdered Elvis by Stephen yeah. King. Oh, you get man. the whole story. So there you go. So the only thing that, that bothers me is um, it shouldn't want anything to do with Elvis from 74 to 77. She went back to her maiden name. Then all of a sudden Elvis, you know, Elvis dies and uh, she's a Presley again. And then she takes credit for taking over Grayson. There's only a million dollars left in the bank account. Where did all the money come to remodel Graceland and get it set up for tourists? I mean, there were teams and teams of lawyers and financiers involved, and yet she takes credit for all of it. That bothers me. So, you know, aside from that, God bless her for doing her thing. You know, I don't like very much that she's suing what she's doing now legally, mm -hmm. you know, suing... Um, uh, you know, contesting Riley and contesting the life insurance policy of Lisa Marie. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's gonna, it's a mess. I'm not very fond of what's going on, but I mean, the person herself, I, I have no neutral, I have neutral feelings on her, you know, I just wish she'd do some things differently. So, well, Chris Buchan, uh, who's just who's just won himself a book, um, he says, "What about Elvis's death being faked?" He brought that up earlier too. You know, a lot of people believe that. Well, people believe a lot of things, but you know, and I used to be in that that camp for years and years and years, mm -hmm. until I saw the rest of the story, until I saw the the mob connections and. Uh, these sanitized death scenes come into play. And um, I had to ask myself some real interesting questions. I actually talked to Dan Warlick, who was at the autopsy. Mm -hmm. And I saw some pictures that I shouldn't have seen, and I cannot unsee them now. And I can tell you beyond any doubt, Elvis Presley's dead. Um, you know, it's you have to ask yourself about, like Lisa Marie, okay? There's nothing Elvis loved on this planet more than Lisa Marie. Do you think he would stand back and let Lisa Marie go through all of these struggles and not step in and not help out if right. the guy was alive? Right. You know, Dr. Harold Sexton, Sexton still has his, most of his vital organs in dry ice. So if Elvis is alive, he's walking around without most of his vital organs. And I'll tell you why <laughs> this is happening. Um, there is evidence to support that Elvis is alive, and I can't dispute this. All right. Mm -hmm. But what people don't understand is that the evidence that's being found has been planted for people to find. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to find because the more time you spend looking for a live Elvis at Burger King, the less time <laughs> you, you spend solving what's very obviously a cold case murder. That's why nobody's allowed upstairs in Graceland. It's a crime scene. They should just come right out and say it's a it's a crime scene. You know, they keep coming up with all these other these other things. You know, they need to solve this. And I mean, they Elvis Presley was as guarded as Michael Corleone in The Godfather 2 with gates and guards and walls and cameras. And they got to him and it was inside job, you know. So no, uh, and, and I, uh, son, boy, I, I'm I'm losing a friend here in son of a gunny. I, I I did I call you son of a gummy? If I did, I'm not wearing my glasses, son of a gunny. So I could be, but uh, you know, I, I certainly meant no offense there. So I seem to have offended you twice. Uh, 
and uh, we have uh, the background of Priscilla Presley. Certainly, she's probably. It was ironic that she kind of got her own little bit of 15 minutes of fame beyond being Elvis's wife by uh, being uh, the Leslie Nielsen's girlfriend in all the Naked Bun movies. I, I don't. Did she do any other acting besides that? That seems to be her claim to fame. I don't have any idea, but you know, I mean, there was she had the Presley moniker, which helped, and she was also easy on the eyes. Yes, she was. She looked really good in, in, during those she movies too. She was a beautiful girl. There's no doubt about it. So I think those two things helped. You know. Um, another thing about this this death scene is um, Dan Warlick. The night he went to the um, went to the death scene, and he sketched out all of the notes and everything and all of the information. And he went home that night and put it in the seat of his car. And he went to bed, woke up in the morning. His car had been vandalized and burglarized, and the only thing it was missing were all the notes. Hmm. You know, I mean, you start getting into this you realize there's no way this guy faked his death. You know, Jerry Schilling, one of his best friends, he gave Jerry Schilling a house. He was so distraught when he heard that Elvis Presley died, he punched a concrete wall and smashed his hand. He had to have surgery on his hand. I don't think this would be going on if they knew he was alive. I mean, it's just, there's just too many hokey pokey things. Well, the, going on. The, the most amazing thing I learned from you about Elvis, and you know, there's not not much I don't know about the JFK assassination, but I did not know that Elvis was apparently like Freddie Prinze, who I wrote about in history because I was there that day when he called Mark Lane was a teenager uh, from Hollywood and he was literally obsessed with the assassination. A month later, supposedly kills himself. No mention at all of his obsession with the JFK assassination, but apparently Elvis was too. Didn't someone in the Dixie Mafia told you that he was watching this approval film all the time and this was an obsession with him? This was an absolute obsession with him. He wanted to get to the bottom of it, and he was actually working. He offered to fund an independent investigation working with um, the second in command there. I think his name was Sullivan um, of the FBI. Of the FBI, yes, yes. And by the end of the, uh, what was it, the House Senate Committee on Assassination? Yeah, that was the 70s. When he died, he died, he died, right. he died right in the middle of that. Yes, yes. So by the time the House Senate Committee of Assassination was over, both Sullivan and Elvis Presley were both yes. dead. Yes, Sullivan died in a very strange you shooting know, accident. Yes, this yes. Has, yeah, I'm not going hunting with that guy. But, you yeah. know, the uh, whoever, you know, all these... You know, the FBI and the mob leaked back and forth like a sieve back then. And if you get between them, you have certain threads of insanity of how these things, these people die. You know, um, it's all seems to be the um, it all seems to be the same, you know, the same modus operandi. What do you see, Steve? Our, my friend Steve Cameron uh, has a question for you on screen there. Sure. Uh, can you do you see that? Who do you think killed Elvis and were they photographed uh, entering, exiting the gates of Graceland by fans and paparazzi? Well, I'm not going to tell you who killed him, but it was an inside job. But what I will mm -hmm. tell you is. Um, he wants you to get the book. So you'll, you'll, you'll obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, they were. How do I say this without saying it? I believe that there was someone who was being smuggled off grounds who was caught on video in a car who was in on it, okay? And they've asked, uh, and I'm trying very carefully not to name names here for 20 reasons, but somebody was asked who was in the car, and the person who was driving the car, the name changed four different times over the last 30 years, you know? And before it ends up being Snoopy and Linus, 
you know, um, you know, it, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, this person has told the story. He always tells the truth, but he always tells it different ways. It's incredible. It should be in politics, but it, it's, it's really something. So the answer to your question is no and yes. Um, so there, so there, there are, there, there's, there's footage somewhere of people yeah, who actually there's footage that footage had just surfaced of them taking Elvis to out of Graceland into the hospital, the original footage. So a lot is out there. Um, on my website, who murdered books.com. If you poke around, there is a link to Elvis's doctor, Dr. Nicopolis. And it was 1990 mm -hmm. in an interview saying it, Elvis was murdered. I thought I was the only one who knew Elvis Presley was murdered. Um, turns out his the first words out of his father's mouth when they found him dead on the floor is, oh, my God, they've murdered my son. Well, that's a pretty telling question, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then, of course, other people came up with it. Uh, a couple of his friends came up with it. One of his bodyguards wrote a book about the Elvis conspiracy. There's a lot of information out there that people don't know, you know. And it's true and the, the, JFK, the JFK thing is just, is for me, again, just because I know the people, the, the, there's the celebrities I know that were really into the JFK assassination, Freddie Prince, John Belushi, who I didn't find out for a long time. John Belushi called Dick Gregory the night before he was, Dick he died. Yeah, Dick Gregory, who was, he was a friend of Dick, Dick Gregory, was really into the JFK assassination. And he called him the night before he died, Dick Gregory claims, and, and said he wanted to meet with Mark Lane, my hero, my mentor. Because uh, he wanted to, he had some information about the JFK assassination. Boom! Next day, he dies mysteriously. So, Salminio, Salminio was signed to play Sirhan Sirhan in Orson Welles. Orson Welles is a bridged movie that he never was able to to get made about the uh, RFK assassination. And he, on the Tonight Show, he once said the Warren report was bullshit. Salminio stabbed to death. So, all these people that I know were into it, they didn't live long. So, Elvis fits right in there. Yeah. And, you know, that's how we didn't know this until afterwards that we have a Mark Lane connection. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You too. Yeah, you too. It was really, it was really quite bizarre. Um, yeah, because you knew Mark Lane, right? Yeah, Mark was, Mark was a really, really good friend. Um, the, the parallels here between, back to the Lisa Marie thing, Elvis and Lisa Marie were kind of the same. Elvis loved the music business. Well, he loved music. He loved the audience. He loved singing. He hated the business end. He hated that end of it. And I think Lisa Marie was kind of the same way. Um, she loved meeting people. She loved being Elvis's daughter. You know, she was on, she was head of the board of directors from Grace on, uh, for Elvis Presley Enterprises for 20 years. I don't think she liked it very well. I think that she was trapped in it. And when she started having kids and being, you know, having her own singing career, I think it was very, very hard on her. She, the girl did not have an easy life. You know, I mean, yeah. she died at 54, and it was probably 52 years of heartache. You know, it was, it was tough to be her. But well, the reason that why I say that somebody should look into this deeper than they are, in 2019, she won a $100 million lawsuit against her business manager, and I believe yeah. her mother, too, if I'm not mistaken. And then she signed, uh, she was writing a book, this tell-all book, and she had an $8 million um, contract to do that. Now, all of a sudden, nobody owes anybody anything. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're, they're off the hook. No one's getting paid for well, that. Well, I think people, I think in, in the case of Lisa Marie, the, most people just assume because of what we've, and as the first hour would have suggested and what I've been writing about and what so many of us are talking about, 
we're skeptical when a celebrity dies now, especially before their time, like Lisa Marie, it's way too young to be dying. Uh, we're just skeptical that, okay, they're, and we know she was fully boosted. I think she talked about it last year on Twitter, like they all do. So we all assume it's it's another vaccine casually, but you, you but you're throwing these uh, this this other thing in there, and you also have to look at the Presley, the Presley body count here. Not only does Elvis die before his time, but uh, both didn't he have was his only grandson died was it last year or something as well? I mean that was yeah, what, 20, 2019, 2020 was a, was a horrible year for uh, Lisa Maria, right in the middle of this this trial with this um, you know this this lawsuit. Her son mm -hmm. commits suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. She had. She, I, I don't know how the hell she made it through. I really don't. Um, she just had a rock hard constitution. Um, very, very tough time for her. But I, it may very well be a vaccine related thing. I don't know. We can speculate, but nobody knows for sure. All I'm saying is that if you can't find motive, means, and opportunity in her death, sure, which is very suspicious. And now the lawsuits that are going on to get the fortune, somebody needs to be looking into this. If they're not looking into this from a foul play aspect, someone needs to. And I'm not suggesting that it's even there. I'm just saying it should be looked into. And oh, I don't sir. know, to my knowledge, nobody is. No, you're you're the only one talking about it. I'm glad you're bringing it up. But uh, Chris Buckin says, uh, has another question for you. Does your guest think Elvis and Nixon discussed and were working together to figure out the JFK assassination? <laughs> That would be something. We we know he uh, was like a he proudly was an informant or something for the FBI under Nixon, right? Yeah, right. The reason why he went to talk to Nixon is because Elvis was getting death threats from starting in about 1969. Elvis was in his bell bottoms on stage. Elvis was had a gun strapped to his ankle because he was getting pretty heavy duty death threats. So the reason he went to talk to Nixon was to get some sort of a um, federal credential so he could carry guns in all states, so his guys could carry guns as well. So it got pretty heavy. He, you know, it started in '69, and he met Nixon on December 21st of 1970. Um, very tough. It was a very tough time. 19 in 1973, right after the Aloha from Hawaii, February 18th, four men rushed him on stage when he was in Vegas and tried to mm -hmm. take him out. Mm -hmm. So this was, and somebody got through. Somebody got it. Um, yeah, so Sam, Sam Bodie's tree saying there's a video on YouTube of his last concert, and Vernon said some pretty cryptic things. There's a lot of queer, weird commentary there. Well, I, I did not know about the, see, I didn't, you know, I, I, I remember just, you know, I, I don't typically fall for those uh, fake death things because people think Elvis, uh, Tupac Shakur, uh, who was Andy Kaufman? There's a bunch of these people where they think that they, well, Jeff, of course, JFK Jr. with QAnon. So this, it's a popular thing to believe. But I remember there was a, uh, there was a series, and if I'm not mistaken, Bill Bixby died not long after hosting this show again before his time. Uh, is Elvis or Elvis is still alive? Do you remember seeing that syndicated sure. special? I yeah. Yep. And I, you know, this is where conspiracy gets kind of a bad name because if they're alive claim they're dead and if they're dead claim they're alive right exactly yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah, um, yeah is it still is it still a conspiracy theory when you have the evidence i've always wondered that you know <laughs> well um, they, they they've you know this the term cia conspiracy goes back to that 1967 memo from the cia yep. where uh countering criticism of the warren report with people like mark and 
uh, the idea was again to call them, and that's and you see they still do. I mean, every everything I discuss on this show to them is a conspiracy. Well, it's completely nuts to them, but it's conspiracy theory. So, like you could see, our first guest was an engineer. He was just quoting their stats and things like. There's no theory there. And I I tell people all the time. You now I'm kind of theorizing here. I'm just kind of bringing up because I don't know. I don't know what. But I, having written on Barred Fame, and I wish I had read your Elvis book before I wrote it because I would hey, have. Man, had a lot you should have talked to me about that. I, I should. I should have. I don't, I could have included a lot more in it. But I mean, just knowing just the showbiz deaths alone, there's there's so few of them where you sit and say, okay, yeah, okay, I understand. He. He had cancer for years or something, you know, or, you know, something that he, he was 102, you know, so you understand why. But uh, most of the time is there, there's questions going back to George Superman Reeves and uh, Bobby Fuller, the Bobby Fuller four and, uh, and Marilyn Monroe, obviously. And all these and, and Elvis fits right in there because he but but they they always have a ready explanation in Marilyn Monroe's case. Right. Well, you know, she was kind of, you know, she was really high, strong and histrionic. And, you know, maybe somebody like that could be suicidal. You don't know. In Elvis's case, they have, what do they have? His weight, uh, his alleged drug use. And I want you to talk about that because you, you're the first one to counter that. But, and the other thing, of course, is uh, his mother died really young of a heart attack too. And so it ran in the family. It wasn't that the, that was kind of the mantra after he died, right? That this was inevitable because he was so big and out of control. And his mother died of a heart attack as well. Well, which one of those do you want me to answer? <laughs> well, I'm saying that that was that was there that was the response to it, right? I mean, that was sure, saying, right. so. So I'm saying, well, so how, how do you, how do you uh, you know answer that or whatever? Well, I just wanted to say here in my in my book, Who Murdered Elvis? And again, my books are available on ebook and audiobook all the way around the world. If you want a physical book, if you want an autograph, which I'd be happy to do, go to whomurderedbooks.com, and I'll make sure you get one. I saw I cite 65 entertainers that died mysteriously or strangely from 1959 to 1984. This is weird. This is really strange. That that speaks to what you were saying. Um, as far as the um, as far as Elvis's mother dying at such a young age, there's a reason for this, and it's got Colonel Parker written all over it. And here's why: Elvis's mother was an alcoholic. And there was, when Elvis first started out, there was somebody started a rumor that Elvis Presley shot his mother. All right. Uh -huh. I don't know who started that, but I mean, obviously it wasn't true. So Colonel Parker said, look, I really want you to appear with your mother to, to put this down so everyone can see you with your mother. So they'd stop saying this. Okay. So problem was Elvis's mother was a little chubby. And Colonel Parker didn't think that it would have been very good for Elvis's image to have her on, on screen with Elvis because she was so chubby. So he gives her diet pills. <laughs> wow. Colonel Parker killed his mother. Maybe huh. unknowingly, maybe knowingly. I know she hated Colonel Parker. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened there. If you look at the Elvis Presley family tree, there are people who lived in their 80s and well into their 90s except for that you know vernon lived he died in 79 vernon was not a young man either so uh, you know I, you know that you can take that so far back and sometimes it doesn't wash with with elvis presley the codeine thing and let me get back to the drugs okay mm -hmm. um in 1968 somebody gave elvis presley codeine 
for some procedure that he had, some sort of painkiller, and he had it went into anaphylaxic shock, and he almost died in '68. If Colonel, if um, his doctor, Doctor Nick, wasn't there with an EpiPen, Elvis would have died in '68. So everyone knew to keep coding away from this guy. Everybody, he was deathly afraid of it, right? So at the autopsy, Dan Warlick diagnosed Elvis Presley's uh, larynx and throat and everything, looking for some sort of anaphylaxic shock to say if that was the reason why Elvis died. Did, did something happen? He didn't find anything. So there were three toxicology reports done on Elvis Presley, one at Baptist Memorial, one in an independent laboratory across, across town in Memphis, and the third one was in bioscience laboratories. The first two showed no signs of codeine at all. And, you know, there are three levels of, uh, of drugs uh, when, you, when you do a toxicology report. Um, there's, um, so you're making me think here. <laughs> That's what we like to do on this show. Yeah, let me think here. Uh, <laughs> there's therapeutic, there's toxic, there's lethal. And I'm trying to think what the first one was. Trace. It's trace, therapeutic, toxic, and lethal. All right. Well, therapeutic is what your doctor would prescribe. Trace. We know what a trace is. Um, the other one will make you sick and finally it will kill you. In the case of Elvis Presley, there was no coding found in this guy's body at all. And the drugs that they did find were between therapeutic and trace. And those are the ones that Dr. Nick prescribed. Mm -hmm. So they do the final toxicology report of bioscience laboratories, and it comes back 11 times coding at the lethal level. And that's when I said, all right, wait a minute. If it's not in the body, how the hell does it end up at the toxicology report to that level if it's not in the body? When we know he's had an uh, you know, anaphylactic shock to it. And when you go that far, you have to say to yourself, we've got a conspiracy. There's a cover up for something. And you know what? None of this fits into the Elvis is alive narrative. So that explains the codeine thing. And that doesn't wash, uh, the drugs. Elvis yeah. took, Elvis took drugs because he liked them. You know, there was no, people did drive him crazy and he'd like to get away because he couldn't do much of anything. Everybody wanted him for something. He was mm -hmm. the cash cow for everyone. But for dramatic effect, Geraldo Rivera, uh, my buddy, <laughs> my buddy Geraldo, yeah. um, in 1979, uh, 2020 was almost off the air. It was almost bankrupt. All right. They had to come up with something to boost ratings. So they started reinvestigating the death of Elvis Presley in 1979. And for effect of the camera, they poured out all of these thousands and thousands of pills that were prescribed to Elvis Presley, you know. Mm -hmm. Problem is, prescribed and taking are two different things. The reason why they were all prescribed to Elvis Presley is um, Elvis was going bankrupt in 76. His father had to take over his finances to keep him solvent. And he was really cracking down on what Elvis was spending money on. So that rather than they were all taking drugs, uppers and downers, all of them, right? So rather than having Dr. Nick do all of these prescriptions for everyone, he said, look, I'll, be, I'll get in hot wa water, spending money for other people. Just write all their scripts under my name. And it was like a candy bowl in the middle of the room. And if somebody wanted a pill or two, they'd take them. And th that's what that was, all right? Mm -hmm. 
and Elvis really wasn't into that. You know, he'd take a handful of them when he wanted, and sometimes he wouldn't. So, I mean, uh, the more fantastic the story gets, um, the farther it goes, the more people have limbs to hang from. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my question is this. And again, Who Murdered Elvis, one of the four books I've written. Actually, I have two on Elvis. That'll explain all of this away. Mm -hmm. How did, you know, in 77, people were physically printing records, you know, 45s and, you know, LP, mm -hmm. you know. How the hell did Colonel Parker know to have all of those records printed up and waiting and all the T-shirts waiting the week Elvis died? Mm -hmm. How did he know in advance to have all of those just stockpiled and waiting? And wasn't there wasn't there a mysterious phone call received uh, ahead of time to, to, to expect big news coming out of Graceland or something? There was, and that was covered in um, Dick Grobe's book, The Elvis Conspiracy, and he was on duty that night. And um, there was there were, there was a call to um, to James Kirk, believe it or not, Captain Kirk. No, it wasn't Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be great. <laughs> Beam me up. James Kirk was actually the. Um, that's how I can never forget this guy's name. He was in the Memphis office of the National Enquirer, and there was a call that was placed to him saying, you know. Come to, uh, you know, come to Graceland with uh, all kinds of money, you know, for your tip, kind of sort of thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a mess. Uh, and they're all gone now. They're all on the other side of the rainbow. And uh, Elvis has become our new Bigfoot. You know, people have glimpses of him walking. You know, people have little pictures and little things of him walking. Well, that's and, why I, I, like you, I cringe about him still being alive because that's the first thing out of people's mouths. Oh yeah, and Elvis is still alive, and they'll say Elvis and Bigfoot. They're pretty much together. You're right. Right. I guess yeah, well, Elvis married to Bigfoot. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how this happened and why they keep seeing him. I became really good friends with Susanna Lee, who was Elvis Presley's co-star on Paradise. Yes, Alliance. yes, yes, yeah. She be, she was a big believer in conspiracy, right? And believed that Susanna, he was Susanna was a peach. What a nice lady. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, she lost her battle with with uh, liver cancer in 2017, I believe. Mm -hmm. Well, has it been that long already? It seems like I just yeah. talked to her, but yeah. I didn't. Um, she said that Elvis had two body doubles that he used during the movies. One was a stunt double, and one was surgically altered, which looked almost exactly like him. So when the first four scenes that she filmed weren't even with Elvis, she was they were with these other people. <laughs> Elvis was in the studio cutting the tracks for the, you know, for the record release. You got to remember, he's cranking out a movie every 30, every 30 oh, days. Oh, yes, he was. He was steady working. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, in fact, one of them, if you go to your computers and look this up, um, Paradise Hawaiian Style is a very famous picture of Susanna Lee with her arms around Elvis's neck. And they're both looking at the camera. Problem is, it's not Elvis. You'd swear it was Elvis. It's not Elvis. Only she knows this. She was telling me this. She said, this guy has a very, he has jowls, very U-shaped face. Elvis's face was very triangular. And if you look at that guy, you can, if you look close, you can tell it's not him. And later on in the movie, you can see how the, the face changes slightly. And it's, it's actually Elvis. So all of these people, these body doubles are now about Elvis's age. And these people are out there walking around. And that's who these people are seeing. 
I was amazed. I was shocked when she told me that um, that wasn't Elvis. But you know what? The more I looked, the more I realized she was right. That's who these people are seeing out there. You know. Yeah. Well, so, well you you meant I, I, you're the first one I said it really convinced me there was something going on because you I I had but you know I I had to realize that about John Belushi too and Freddie Prince that they both and that's why they all shared in common along with Elvis an interest apparently a very passionate interest in the JFK assassination which is a pretty strange coincidence but all three of them were smeared as like being basically already dead you know this was inevitable because they were doing so many drugs and Belushi Belushi was overweight like Elvis as well so what you had mentioned something, I think you, you thought the crime scene was staged, that maybe there, there weren't as many hypodermic needles that, that, that Elvis was actually used, that they were kind of scattered about or something. Did I get that right? There wasn't so much as a baby aspirin that they found when they went through his death scene. Hmm. There were two syringes, but they were not the kind you would see in a doctor's office. They were like caulking guns. You know, you would put hmm. a syringe in them. Right. There were no needles. There was nothing. They, and they were planted to find. And it was just a red herring. They do this. This is one of the calling cards of a professional hit. Okay. They plant things or they alter the crime scene to spin investigators' minds off in crazy directions. So um, it was very interesting. And Don, don't ever write a book without me again. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I write so many books. It's hard to, uh, but yeah. And I really should, because I could, the Elvis section could have been a lot more interesting. So well, read my book on bird fame, read about that. And I want to go deep on the Elvis step, read uh, Steve, uh, Steve Ubaini's book, uh, Who Murdered Elvis. So I'm seeing if we have uh, Steve Cameron. Uh, I think, I think he's our mutual friend. I think, you know, Steve, uh, he says, uh, Elvis loves his peanut butter banana. Absolutely. And somebody else was joking. I think it was yeah. uh, Swampy or one of them about eating jelly donuts on the toilet or something. Because that 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 was basically what, what they inferred, right? That Elvis was actually on the toilet when he died. Isn't that, isn't that the he official wasn't. story? He wasn't. What happened was he got, well, first about the overweight thing, all right? Elvis had a birth defect. He had a twisted colon. All right. And it's yeah. common in boys. I didn't know this. I talked to Dan Warlick, the guy, again, the guy who was at the autopsy. And Elvis suffered from this his whole life. All right. So Elvis was on downers. That was his drug. Back in the movie days, he was on uppers. And it got to the point where he had nosebleeds that they couldn't control because he was just, Colonel was pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And he was doing uppers to keep pace with all the movies. And it got to the point where he started having nosebleeds they couldn't control. So they had to give him a week off and take him off this stuff. So then he went into downers. And if I'm a doctor and I prescribe a patient uppers, they're going to get the runs. If I, per, if I prescribe you downers, you're going to be constipated. Well, confined constipation with a twisted colon, you've got a problem. Elvis's colon was loaded. That's why he looked so pasty and so bloated and so fat. This guy hadn't had a bowel movement in three weeks. So he was heading for surgery. Matter of fact, they had surgery scheduled after uh, Portland, Maine, which was the, uh, the, one that he, <laughs> the one he was supposed to fly out and do to start in the next leg of his tour. So um, that's what happened. That's what happened with that. And I go into detail in that in the book about how they, 
a lot of in, a lot of intricacies in that book about the autopsy and how they did certain things. Um, so very very it's a it's a very eye opening book. Um, Absolutely, and, and the the doctor Nick, back. the doctor Nick, I, I want he was involved in some other celebrity. Uh, and I can't. I, I talked about it on Bar Film. I forgot. Maybe you I know, can't but think of it either. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, but that doctor. Do you think is there is there a reason? Uh, was there an insider on the Simpsons writing staff? Because you know the crazy, the ridiculous, unethical doctor that they used to try it out at least in the early years was Doctor Nick. Hey, everybody, and and he would you know he would come up with. I mean, do you think <laughs> do you think that was a spoof on Elvis's doctor by by chance? I don't know. I you know what? I'm so busy. I don't have time to watch the Simpsons, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've got too much time on my hands, obviously. <laughs> no, you don't either. I don't know how you do what you're doing. There's got to be two of you. Let no, me check, no. Let me check oh, the shape of your forehead. Let me see whoa, if you're a body double. <laughs> like, that's right. I, I, that's, I need a body double. You know, we all need that. Well, you need a body double too. We all do. But uh, so I'm trying to see. And I, if Tony is missing. I don't see why Tony's. I, I may have to. I think I can end the show myself in four minutes. But uh, usually I depend Boy, on I have, him. I only have four minutes. Should we do another trivia question? Uh, well, actually, three minutes. Now. Oh, another trivia. Well, yeah, because there, there won't be enough answers. Let's say what what do you you feed me? Because John Chris Buckin won. Uh, we're going to award him a book for his uh, getting close. And but you come up with a couple other questions or whatever, and um, just you know email me or you know text me or something, and then uh, I'll just I'll just mention it on you know <clears throat> the next show or something. And we'll, real quick, uh, I just wanted to tell everybody that there is. Who Murdered Tesla is coming out. Uh, I've got my hands full with that yes, one, yes. with some interviews that you won't believe that these people are still alive, and I'm catching some interviews. Uh, Nikola Tesla, again, got between governments in the middle of the biggest war we've ever had, and um, he was under surveillance by our government and other governments, and somebody got to him. Uh, he was He was coming up with some weapons of mass destruction that were not savory to the people he was peddling it with. So I'll, uh, very interesting book that's coming. I also want to tell somebody, tell everybody that, um, I'm actively working with an executive producer to take all of my books into a streaming venue as episodes. So you can look for that coming, I don't know, probably next year. Yeah, that's exciting. So is, so is, is it a done deal? You're definitely going to have a series on it? Yeah, it's a done deal. It's all over, but the shouting—we just had a ton of a ton of work oh, to wow. do. So there's well, going to be more and more books coming. I thought I was getting out of this, and you know now they're sucking me back in. And, uh, yeah, um, well, you got well. Who who murdered Tesla? I mean, I, I I know lots of people are looking forward to that. I know I am, and that's uh, that hasn't been uh, the only thing I know about that. That I, I'm sure you obviously know this, but the the person the government sent to take his records was uh, Uncle Donald Trump's uncle John Trump. Yep. Absolutely. And what was and that? You know what? And, and guess what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of those records disappear, and they've never been found. Since. Yeah. Where his files? Where I mean, you know, because it's it's like a, if 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 everything we're told was true, if he if he really did develop a source, what he said was free energy, which obviously would revolutionize the world. Uh, if he was discovering that in the 1930s, 1940s, whatever. You mean to tell me that 70, 80, year, 90 years later, that on all that time, nobody else has worked on these same things? I mean, come on. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's got to be some sort of a missing element that he had that we don't have. There's got to be something else to this. Um, 
but that will be explored in the book. I also wanted to mention, while I'm on the last rights here, what, I have a minute? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to mention that uh, my podcast is coming out later on this year as well. And um, that's going to be really, really very interesting. Uh, so look for that. And get my website out, uh, whomurderedbooks.com. I'm on Facebook, Steve Ubaney, U-B-A-N-E-Y. Uh, you can also catch me on Twitter, pop out and say hi. I also have a Facebook group that you guys might like, um, Elvis, who murdered him. That's the Facebook group. And there's one on Diana, too, Diana, who murdered her. So pop into those groups and say hi. Lots of nice people. Wonderful, Steve. Well, Steve, you're always here. And I, I got a text from Tony Ardeburn who says uh, he lost the Internet. So I think I can end this broadcast myself. Uh, I think all I have to do is click this handy end broadcast button. So I hope that's true, Tony. Uh, I think it's. If not, important. we can go another hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely have. We're definitely going to have you back, uh, certainly, to discuss the the Tesla book in depth because uh, that's. Uh, I think that will probably be more interesting to my audience than all your sure. other books. I mean, that's because that's you know he's uh, Tesla is a figure that's right in the middle of our world. And, uh, you know, certainly a fascinating character, you know, I, from my mind, maybe seems to have been perhaps the greatest uh, scientific uh, genius of all time. So uh, anyhow, but Steve, Steve Ubaini, it's always a pleasure to talk to the Who Murdered series. You gave out all your links. Uh, it's always great to talk with you and we'll have you back on soon. And I'm going to no closing music here because, oh, there's, is that Tony? Oh, there's Tony there. Tony, are you back? I see Tony grayed out, but Tony, do you want to jump in? Or can you? I see the Arterburn news blacked out, but he must not be able to. You know, it's incredible. We're 23 years into the 21st century, and we can't have stable internet. <laughs> what the hell is yes. going on? Yeah, and, and, exact, and, you know, it's, it's as I mentioned many times, our, our internet speed is we're slower on average in countries like the Dominican Republic. So one of the many reasons why I can criticize this terrible America 2.0. Yeah, Tony's that again. He must have lost the end. So I'm going to end, end this. Sorry if you're looking forward to the closing music, the exciting closing music. So we'll just have to hum it yourself or whatever. But uh, Steve Obaney, thanks so much for being my guest. Uh, John Baldwin for the first hour, Steve Obaney the second hour. Great show. And uh, we'll see you here next week, exact same time on iProtest. Thanks for listening. Take care.